Let's get it. Brace yourself. We have Duke and Carolina round one it's on here. Saturday. The first one without Mike Krzyzewski since 1980. But it will include a visit from the game day crew. So game day will be at Cameron on Saturday for the first matchup between Hubert Davis and John Shire. On the scale of Matt Doherty getting waxed by K in 02 and 03 to uh, Roy Williams cleaning up on uh, one of the down Duke teams. Where, where's your excitement level here for the first matchup between Hubert Davis and John I, I wouldn't say it's excitement. It's more curiosity. Uh, I will be curious to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium after what had happened the last time I saw Duke and Carolina play at Cameron Indoor Stadium. What's the crowd going to be was like? A, was a Carolina win in Mike Krzyzewski's yeah. last home game. So, <laughs> that's good, by the way, that you provided context, but I'm almost like... Well, usually you're you, the one with the context. No, 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 no. If you didn't remember. No, no, I think it's funny. <laughs> I do want to talk to some people who like, hey, do you know what happened last year at Cameron Indoor Stadium? I want to know to the person who doesn't know that. Like, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm just again. I'm getting back to a conversation from last week. Maybe there are eighty percent of maybe, the maybe, there. maybe, maybe, maybe. Don't 80, know. Maybe they're like, what you, wait, what happened? At, what do you mean? What, what happened at Cameron Indoor? Wait, so, what is this? What? What are these crazies you speak of? And that's, that's not very nice to call them crazy. And you know, that's the part that I'm gonna be curious about. Cameron crazies are known for their sheets, right? And they've got their little signs that say stuff about Carolina. What the hell are you going to say to that Carolina squad that came into that building last year and ruined the legends going away party? What can you say? Like, I forgot. You got to have a really short memory. (laughs) Like, I forgot who it was. They they played somebody recently. It was Ohio State. Who did Ohio State lose to in the the NCAA tournament? Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But they lost to some, like, nondescript team, right? And they kept chanting at it at Ohio State. I think it was Ohio State. And I sat there, and I turned to uh, who was sitting next to me at the game. Uh, regardless, I, I turned to the person next to me. And I said, "Are they like acting like Mercer never happened or Lehigh never happened? Like, well, what are you what are you doing here, guys?" So I'm really going to be curious what the coach, what the uh, Cameron Crazies are going to do for Carolina next season or this upcoming Saturday. Next up, Fortnite. Speaking of Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, our colleagues over at WRAL, Deborah Morgan. Deborah, you... Hey, guys. Hi. Um, you got to hang out with Mike Krzyzewski uh, here was recently. awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, about a week and a half ago, and we mm. sat down in his office at Duke, which, you know, he and his wife, Mickey, are still lifetime ambassadors for Duke. So he still maintains his museum of an office that's right there in Cameron. It's absolutely incredible. We talked for about an hour and I sat in on his XM radio show. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a great conversation. Uh, you know, to see him so relaxed and just focused on family and smiling, you know, it was just it was great to see Coach K like that. So what is he? What's he doing now? What's he What's he doing for fun? What's you the know, hobby? He's, he's not playing Angry Birds on his phone. What's he doing? 
<laughs> no, I mean, he has a master class that's going on right now. He told me he's given 20 to 25 speeches to different mm. companies over the last, so just since August, I think it was. So he's staying busy doing that once a week, doing that Sirius XM radio show called Basketball and Beyond with Coach K. Loves doing that. Um, so he is staying very busy. And, and I asked him about that. He's like, I'm busy, but I'm having a lot of fun. He's also going to his kids' games and Montessori school and seeing a lot of his um, grandchildren's activities. So he's just, he's having a great time. You know, he told me this story about how he was watching four of his grandsons play basketball. And he was watching one of his grandsons playing basketball <laughs> in middle school, mind you. The mm. whole family's in the crowd, right? You got the whole Shashevsky bunch in the crowd. Coach K sitting there. No pressure for that middle school basketball coach, right? When you've got Coach K's grandson out there. So he talked to me a little bit about how he gives his grandsons advice. So it was actually, um, it, it was really funny. He, he says he uses humor a lot. You know, he's not he's not like a real tough guy. He even said, you know, a lot of times people see us on the sidelines and they think we're yelling at our guys. He's like, humor is such a big part of how he was coaching over the years. Not everybody would always see that. Deborah Morgan, WRAL sat down and talked with Mike Krzyzewski. You can watch that on WRAL. Uh, Deborah, you don't look like it, of course, but you've been in this game a long time. <laughs> and when I used to do an interview for a newspaper story, I would hear a quote and I would go, okay, there's the lead. It, when you were sitting down for that hour with Mike, when did you snap your finger and go, okay, that, that's what we're going to start with? You know, right off the bat. And um, you're right, Joe. I've been here for 30 years now. Doesn't seem possible. I, have, I know. Isn't that crazy? And I've been covering ACC basketball games, Final Fours, for more than I have fingers and toes. And uh, so, and I would see you all out there, of course, covering that. So, I've always loved being behind the scenes and seeing how a lot of these teams operate and um, seeing Coach K and how he coaches and being at the news conferences there. So this was such a different opportunity to be able to sit down and he was just so relaxed and loved talking about his family. He's always been such a family man, but to hear him talking just about his love for his family and being able to be present in the moment now for his family was so important for him. So it was like, check, 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 check. As a matter of fact, after we got done with our interview, um, Jason Jennings was there with me. Jay Jennings was shooting this, also been in the business 42 years. Go. So he and Coach K have known each other a long time. Yeah. His son Jason um, also there in the room with us. And Jason said, you know, we should make this a podcast. So we also are going to have a podcast that will go live tonight on WRL.com oh, cool. or wherever you listen to your podcast, because, you know, Coach K tells stories. He's not, uh, you know, Joe, you talk about hearing, hearing the bite, hearing the, the piece of the interview that you want to start with, but he would tell stories. So you can't just chop him up, you know, to let him just go and give advice to people on how to how to coach their children if they want to be basketball players. You know, it's just, um, it's a side of Coach K I don't think uh, many people have seen. So I was just honored to be in the room and doing so, it. Now listen, uh, Deborah, you're, you're allowed certainly to cover the Final Four. I mean, I mean this is even <laughs> cool for you to go talk to Mike Krzyzewski for an hour. Cool. Uh, 
podcasts are our domain though okay so i mean no, that's jason I, I, that's totally jason that's like, i heard i heard whoa, podcasts are gonna whoa, whoa, be whoa. no 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 she can't come for that crap you, podcasts you, you got everything point. else deborah you get everything I, else okay i tell you what if if i didn't have to do my hair and makeup all the day and could just interview cool people oh, i would absolutely that's all podcasts that. are you're right I know. I'm well, so into this now. It may be like the new direction I'm going. You know, there, yes. a, a new hobby for me. Yes. As as Deborah uh, as Deborah discovered last week when I went on TV to talk about the Frank Reich hiring, uh, I got the oh wait a minute, you want me on TV? I got a hat on. <laughs> Is there a polo somewhere I can squeeze you into? Look great. Yeah, uh, well, there was there was some magic behind the scenes <laughs> to make sure that because again in, in radio we gotta worry about that stuff. I haven't shaved in weeks. Nobody cares about that stuff, Deborah. Uh, before we say goodbye, Deborah Morgan, WREL, and uh, an exclusive sit down with Mike Shashevsky. Uh, it's going to be broken up throughout the day uh, on WRAL. I know you've already played some clips earlier today, and I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to the for the for the, the podcast version of it. Yeah, it's what I'm great. what I'm curious about is in your conversations with him. Did he have any regrets or express any regrets by how last year went? You know, did he maybe second guess the idea of letting everybody know that it would be his final season? You know, he didn't. He said that that that's the way that it was planned because it was a business decision to have this succession plan and to be able to have the recruiting that went behind that and being able to hand it off to John Shire in a way that he felt comfortable with. So I don't think there was any regret with that at all. Now, we did talk about some interesting um, machinations that happened between that last loss in Cameron mm -hmm. to Carolina and then the road to the final four. And he talked a lot about how he would, he goes, even after 1600 games of coaching, I still learned lessons. And he figured out a way that he kind of, Felt like he let his players down mm -hmm. and it tells a, a, an incredible story about how he's like at three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you idiot is what he said to himself. And he changed how, um, how he approached then the ACC tournament and then the NCAA tournament. And uh, it, it was a fascinating conversation. Very cool. Well, looking forward to it. I know it's going to be you. on TV. It's going to be on our website as well. And I am looking forward to the, uh, the unedited letters. <laughs> tell stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and tell me how I did on a podcast, because, you know, I don't do these very often. I'm sure you did fantastic. <laughs> we'll be fantastic. Deborah, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll watch you on TV tonight. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. It's the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obias. Big thanks to Deborah Morgan for hanging out with us. Next. One, two, three. Carolina Hurricanes keep winning. They beat the Boston Bruins, the Eastern Conference leading Boston Bruins. That was last night, Joe. Sebastian Ajo with seven goals now in the past four games. It, I, you're not allowed to say it in front of Alec Campbell or Adam Gold, but <laughs> when the Bruins and Canes get together, it kind of sort of feels like a playoff game. Wednesday afternoon over at PNC Arena. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, look, I think what we get to enjoy between the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes are teams that have some playoff beef that will spill over into the regular season. Is anything won? Is anything gained? No, it, it is not. But I absolutely am entertained by these matching of wits or watching Brad Marchand try to get under the skin of Sebastian Ajo. 
only to not have that happen, uh, to watch the Carolina Hurricanes stick it to the Bruins. Bruins have won, have lost three in a row now. The idea was, oh my goodness, they've lost two in a row for the first time this season. The Bruins are falling apart. And the joke was, ah, watch them beat the Canes. We know how Sunday's going to go. No, Carolina Hurricanes made it, I don't want to say they made it look easy, but it was a really great game against the Bruins. Are we going to see a continuation of this in the playoffs? Let's hope so, because it makes for some spicy playoff hockey. Five straight wins now for the Canes, including Fridays, which included a, a comeback where the Sharks scored an empty net goal, Joe, to go ahead by two goals. And so for the only the third time in NHL history, a team came back from after giving up an empty net goal and falling behind by two goals. Canes end up winning that game on Friday, 5-4 in overtime. Marty Natchez was the man with the plan on Friday for the Canes. So we're 19 days away from the stadium series game at Carter-Finley Stadium. Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. So from here on out, we're going to give you the forecast for February 18th and the current get-in price for the stadium series. Do you want to guess what the percentage of rain chances are for Saturday the 18th? Um, I hope it's less than 20%, but I'll say 20%. Right now, the forecast shows 67 degrees as a high and a 64% chance of rain. Again, we're 19 days out. On StubHub, the get-in price for a single ticket is 260 bucks. That's Section 9, Row AA. Is that That's up, not terrible. Is that up front or is that in the back? No, the That's, AA the is A's after is, 26, okay. Row 27. All right, so there you go. Uh, so yeah, r- section nine row AA is the cheapest ticket right now at two sixty for a single. If you look at the recently released NHL tickets, a standard ticket, not a resale ticket on Ticketmaster, uh, two tickets will cost you three thirty each. That's where we are right now. Next up, and I don't even care who number two is. Number two would be NC State. Got a nice win against Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it didn't look like it was going to go in that direction, Joe. They couldn't buy a bucket. Uh, they, When they did get to the line, they missed those free throws. But DJ Burns had something else to say. Uh, he had a career-high 31 points on 26 shots. More importantly, uh, hit two crucial free throws when it looked like it was going to go hack a DJ down the stretch, which I think was a smart thing to do. And more importantly, NC State shows you that if one guy's having a day, they're still going to get complimentary play from others. It's not just one dude and one only dude. Sometimes it's Terquavion Smith being that dude. On Saturday, it was DJ DJ Burns being that dude with complimentary big shots from Jarkel Joyner and Casey Morsell. I think what uh, Thomas also hit a three in there as well. You were at the Joel for this game. And look, man, these big four matchups have been entertaining, and that was a good win for NC State. It was another Q1 win for State since Wake is at held steady at number 72 in the net rankings. This was a game NC State loses many, 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 many times. Down 10 in the second half. Wake Forest kind of feeling it. The crowd kind of feeling it. Uh, Steve Forbes making some nice adjustments. Going after Terquavion Smith in foul trouble. NC State kind of feeling a little bit rudderless with Smith on the bench and, and kind of complaining that Teddy Valentine had called a few fouls on him. But Burns stayed the course. You know, he bullied his way through Mike Marsh, who's 7'1", 250. He's a gigantic human being, Joe. But Burns with a career-high 31 points. Uh, trivia question for you. Do you know Burns' previous career high and against which team it was? I do not know. 
Previous career high was two years ago at Winthrop against Mary Baldwin. Mary Baldwin. Not it, not Mary Ann Baldwin, the mayor. He had th- 30 points against Mary Baldwin. <laughs> at 27 last year against the Upstaters. But, yeah, <laughs> playing an ACC team, 31 points. Not bad. A- amusing moment there in the second half. You mentioned that he was struggling from the free throw line. Had missed, uh, I think he was one of he was one for six to start from the mm-hmm. free throw line. Then he mm-hmm. made his last two. The Wake students were chanting "Whopper" at him. You know, right? Right? He's a big dude, and and right now the 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 Burger King commercial, Whopper, maybe, Whopper, Whopper, maybe Whopper. Maybe they just had the Burger chicken, King commercial chicken, chicken, da, da, da. stuck in their head. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but they were taunting him, and yeah, then he, you know, Whopper, he makes right. the the free throws, and so he was asked uh, in the post game about, "Hey, well, did you hear?" the fans what, yeah. and it, were you motivated by them and he yeah. was like yeah I don't. he's like they were just making me they were just get, you know getting me going and i was just trying to prove them wrong so let's not maybe not uh yeah talk, fat fat talk fat big boy fat shaming is not the move you know not the move um but you could say he had a whopper of a game you could you could say that dj burns had it his way <laughs> at wake forest next up Conference Championship Sunday in the books. We've got a Super Bowl set between the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. There's two dominant storylines that are coming out of each of these games. We'll explain them next. Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl, Kansas City Barbecue versus Cheesesteaks. The Andy Reid Bowl. The Kelsey Brothers Bowl. What will Patrick Mahomes' influencer brother do to get in trouble in the next two weeks? These are all storylines that we're keeping an eye on. Um, but two- Are we really keeping an eye on Mahomes' brother? Oh, yeah, we absolutely are, man. Ugh. Come on now. Come on. So there's two dominant storylines that are coming out of, out of the game. The first one is the Chiefs beating the Bengals and whether or not this was more about Patrick Mahomes finding one last gutty performance to to will the Chiefs into the Super Bowl. Their third Super Bowl appearance in four tries and their fifth straight conference game, conference championship game, I should say. Uh, they ended up winning this one. Or is it about the officials? And people want to pinpoint all the things that happened uh, in the fourth quarter that would help the Kansas City Chiefs. I would say, Julio, that I understand that there were some some curious decisions made in this. One, the biggest one being that the Kansas City Chiefs essentially got a free play. I mean, they I, I guess they didn't hear the whistle, but they let it go to the completion of a play and said, "Oh, by the way, you get a do-over," because that's how it came about. But everything else, for the most part, for the most part, I got the sense that however you whatever you thought of the calls. Nothing really came out of them. There were no real payments. Even the intentional grounding call on Joe Burrow late when they got the ball back with 230, while it did put them back and they were in a third and 16 situation, they converted the third and 16 uh, and then had to punt after that. So Patrick Mahomes gets the ball back, and then there was a call that nobody's going to disagree with. That's Joe Osai. Uh, pushing Patrick Mahomes as he was clearly out of bounds. They're going to throw a flag on that every single time. And what I hate is that we have we don't have to engage with conspiracy talk, but, man, people love to do it when the result doesn't go the way they wanted it to go. I don't know if it, you necessarily have to default to a conspiracy. I think you can 
point out that the officiating was incompetent in the fourth quarter. Well, I mean, point to any Sunday. Point to any sporting sure. event at this point. You can point to some but that, competent. But that doesn't explain how, for the first three quarters of the football game, there were four penalties thrown on the Chiefs. Yeah. There were four penalties thrown on the Bengals. Yeah, things get tight down the stretch. Again, right? that happens in just about every football first game. First three quarters. Yeah. Nobody would have any. Nobody well, should have any issue with how the first three quarters of the football game were officiating. Three of those penalties on the Bengals, by the way, mm-hmm. the first four of yeah. their first four, were procedural. So, you know, listen, the officials are there to make sure the timing is right. The you know players are offsides, onsides are right. They're inbounds, out of bounds. Was it a catch? Wasn't a catch? You know those are the things that they prime. You know, hey, excessive contact. Was there a violent you know hit that was not a football play? Yeah, these are all things that the the, the officials need to have high on their checklist, right? Mm-hmm. The fourth quarter of the football game, the fact remains there were six flags thrown. Five of them were thrown on Cincinnati, and only one against Kansas City. The one on Kansas City was a holding that. The Bengals had picked up uh, more yardage than the holding would have helped them. So it yeah, wasn't there it like wasn't a taunting too at some point. If I'm if I'm trying to remember all the uh, the calls that were in this game, but anyway, there was a taunting on yeah the on the Chiefs for taunting. Yeah, again, first three quarters, no one's really going to complain. Four okay. and four, the fourth quarter to me, and, and you know, I know you're saying directly the Chiefs, the Bengals were able to overcome the intentional grounding, mm-hmm. but you don't know the play that they used on that third and 16 wouldn't have been a play. I don't know if it's a play they used earlier in the game. I don't know if it was a play that they would have saved. You know, there are plays oh. you do save for your two-minute drill. Yeah. So I, I don't think you can simply be dismissive and say that the penalties didn't matter because they were able to overcome some of well, them. Well, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what you just said. You don't know. Let's say they don't call the intentional grounding. Sure. Were they going to score on that drive? I don't know the answer to that. That's the thing. We yeah. don't know. I know it, I know the drive was made more difficult. I know the clock was working against and them. And they overcame I know they that. had to use a timeout when they probably didn't want to use a timeout, sure. especially knowing that Patrick Mahomes last year let a comeback in the, in this, in, in the playoffs against the team in a very similar situation. But they don't what, always 16 do seconds or 18 seconds, whatever they, it was. They don't always do that. So It's not know. always a comeback. Again, the no, answer to that not, is but... we don't know. Uh, and we assign these things as I would we rather, do know. I would rather be the team that had no penalties called against me than the team with five. How about that? Okay. Well, look, you talk about incompetence, and it's still, it still it doesn't matter in the long run sometimes, right? Like, let's go back to the Eagles and the 49ers when... Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't a three point game. That wasn't a tie game. Well, it's gonna that be that wasn't a competitive game. So Joe, it sounds to me like you're simply mad that the wrong team won. No, I'm, that's what it sounds like I'm, to me. I'm looking at the fourth quarter and if trying the roles to determine were, if the roles were reversed, are we having this conversation from me or from someone from else? From you, probably not from me. I didn't have a Chiefs ticket. Why? See, there it is. There it is. That's what it ultimately comes down to. That's what it ultimately comes down to. If the roles were reversed, you are not having this, oh, man, well, look at X, Y, Z of what could have happened, blah, 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 because you had a ticket. Yeah, but you I can't, don't give a crap about your that, ticket. And that's fine. I, I understand that. The NFL doesn't give a crap about your ticket. No, they might. Not no, mine, they don't. But... They don't. No, they don't, because they're making money hand over fist anyway off of gambling. And certainly, the, and that's the, and I guess that's the part that ultimately bothers me. Gambling, and this is not directed at you specifically, but you are giving me an example. Gambling has warped the brain of how we talk about things in the long run. And there are so many people that are populating the main channels of how we talk about the NFL that were worried about a backdoor cover 
as though it ultimately matters to 80% of the audience this wasn't than anything else. Cover. No, this, this is was, you being no, mad no, no, that this, your ticket didn't cash, man. This was a team had a spot in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And there were, again, six flags thrown. Mm-hmm. Five were thrown against them and only one against the home team. It, 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 this is and, and the calls, okay, take out the take out the fifth, take out the late hit, which I agree with you, Yeah, was a penalty yeah. and should have been penalized and yeah. was correctly called. The other four calls are judgment calls. Mm-hmm. So why would you make, again, why would you make four judgment calls against one team and none against the other team? That's the part of it that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Steve Logan always said, the refs know who's supposed to win. And I guess that's the whole point of home field advantage. If the Cincinnati Bengals wanted their own home field advantage, well, they could have had a better regular season. It's the OG. Along, it's like, it's kind of like my point with the Eagles, right? There's a bunch of people pointing out bracket luck, essentially, for the for the Eagles. Well, you know what? They put themselves in position to have such luck, okay? Sometimes you create the luck, and you got to play two games against two teams, one with a quarterback who turned back into a pumpkin, and the other where the wheels eventually falled off on an already fragile quarterback situation. I am not going to fault the Eagles for that. They created their own luck in the same way that the Kansas City Chiefs created home field advantage for themselves for having the season that they had. I weep not for the Bengals or for those who lost money on Sunday. Pro tip. Don't gamble. And check us out on YouTube. Look up the channel, 99.9 The Fan Raleigh, and you can hit the subscribe button, get all sorts of wonderful content on that YouTube channel. Right down to me. I I have to apologize to you, Julia. I gave you a face that I give my children at the beginning of the show. You were fired up. It's fine. No, no, no. It was more. It was more when you were going off on all the calls, and I just sat there with a face at like, oh, geez, okay. It's like when my kid starts talking. There was a time, and I'm sure your kids did the same. Did the same things too. They're a little bit older. Did they ever play Minecraft? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Did they ever go on and on and on about like whatever diamond sword they crafted, and they're also getting some, you know, whatever rare material so they can go to the go fight the guy in the end and all this other stuff, right? They, I do remember them trying to build the SpongeBob world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, like, I know there are some parents out there that have kids who are all in on Roblox, and they need their Roblox, Robux, and all this other stuff. And I had that face. I, I know that face. It was like, okay, are we really having this conversation right now? So I apologize. I hate doing that. I hate doing that. So let's do something fun instead and give you our hot and cold of the weekend. So much NFL from to, from the weekend that some other things might have fallen through the cracks, or maybe there's something from the NFL specifically we want to highlight. So we give you our hot and cold of the weekend. Joe, what was your hot of the weekend? My hot of the weekend goes to Lakers guard Patrick Beverly. Mm. Speaking of complaints with officials, LeBron drove, tied 105-105, the end of regulation. He drives to the basket, clearly gets fouled by Jason Tatum. It is not called. Once they decide they're going to overtime, Joe, Patrick Beverly goes from the Lakers bench, gets a gets one of the cameras at courtside, digital cameras, brings the digital camera Dude. over to the official who missed the call and shows him the contact from Tatum to LeBron James. And, so and an auto, obviously, technical, but one that was earned by Patrick Beverly. So, so good. So I, I, I watched that clip and I, I died laughing because it was just the – incredulous nature of like, I don't care what you're going to do to me. I want you to see this, man. My hot is conspiracies. It's not just the NFL. 
it's all over the place. I feel like the entire week has been uh, consisting of some nefarious thing going on that people have had to debunk. Now, in the NFL, I do find it somewhat ironic. They say irony is dead. I find it ironic that last week there were NFL folks who were clowning the dopes, who were insisting that DeMar Hamlin is dead, and the one that you see now is a clone. Like, look at these idiots believing this conspiracy theory. And and, and then today... Some of those same people are buying into a conspiracy theory about NFL officiating. But the NFL is not the only one that's locked in on this. I mean, we know about the ACC, but what about the NBA? Well, there was a conspiracy about Jaron Jackson Jr. And just how much he's been cleaning up on the glass. Have you seen this? About essentially the home statistician has been cooking the books for Jaron Jackson. And that has been debunked by some folks out there so essentially this got on uh, on reddit right this guy uh, with a weird avatar name said identified seven instances in recent grizzlies games when jackson appeared to be credited with an error according to this judgment for plays either made by jackson's teammates or not made at all it's all extremely fishy he says quote i wonder if the scorekeeper has some sort of vested interest in jaron jackson getting maximum high value defensive statistics that he thinks he can get away with putting down in the box score. My educated guess is that the Memphis scorekeepers have been changed since the last season, and there are t- there are ulterior motives, incentives that are now in play in respect to his defensive statistics. So people started highlighting fraudulent blocks and things like that, and based on what most Internet sleuths can tell you, there might have been one or two instances that were credited for Jaron Jackson and, and not, but... The point here is, your sport's not the only one that people are convinced is rigged. That's why I watch the WWE, which I know is staged. Who's your cold of the weekend, Joe? Oh, man, shame on the Canes fans who left early on Friday night. I'm included in that. 152 left in regulation. The Sharks score an empty net goal, take a 4-2 lead. Fishy, Sebastian Ajo has seven goals now in the past four games. Scored with 137 left. Well, with 11 seconds left, Marty Natchez ties the game. Then Natchez scores again in overtime. Can we just have three-on-three, by the way, all the time? I know, it's fine. Or can we at least have four-on-four, and then the power play would be four-on-three? Love what Natchez is doing in the bounce-back season that he's having for the Canes. But even Rod Brindamore after the game was like, yeah, you notice. Everyone's going to claim they were there. It's only the third time in NHL history that a team has taken a two-goal lead on an empty net goal in the third period and lost. Hi, that would be me. Hi, I'm the problem. It was it's Friday. Me. Yeah. Why did you leave early on a Friday? They, I were, don't... they were down 4-2. I had taken separate cars because Ke- uh, Jacob yeah. was the flag waiver. He was the, the starter. He was the junior Canes kid that got to go on the ice. So this is why I'm going to give myself double cold. They go down 4-2. I'm like, screw this. I know where I'm parked. Because if you leave, like, if you're stuck where we park, sure. you're not getting out. It's It could be a wait. It could be a wait. That's so why I you said, either have to go at, like, the start of the third period. So I said, screw you it. you just stay. I hadn't had dinner. I was hungry. So I'm like, I get in my car and I'm out of here. They're down 4-2. So, of course, I get in the car. And I'm hearing Mike Maniscalco lose his freaking mind. I'm going, damn it, I missed this. But the other reason why I give myself cold is because sometimes you're a little bit guilty of underestimating your own child okay and that was me 
on Friday where Jacob got to carry the flag. He was all geared out. It was great. And he, he came out of on the ice like a bullet, man. He was fired up. But he was so fired up that he fell. Now, mind you, he's not on NHL ice. It's double Zamboni. He's used to, you know, normal sure. wreck ice, right? So he falls. And then he was so concerned with, like, planting the flag and not falling forward that he actually fell backward. And I'm like, oh, man. And I felt really bad for him. Like, damn it. Again, I underestimated my kid because as he's – after he was done, he's rolling off the ice, all freaking smiles. He had the time of his life, something he'll never forget. I'm going, you know what? He's right. I was wrong. This is when you start thinking like an adult. A reminder that don't let adulthood take away your joy.